Good afternoon. You can do better than that. Good afternoon. Like the old preachers say, may the Lord God bless you real good. I like that. <laughs> I love that. That's a, that's, that's, that make you just feel like he's going to do something. Not just good, but real good. Because he is real good, isn't he? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, you can clap for that. He's real good. He's real good. Um, just a few things before we dive in. Really excited about this opportunity and a partnership that we have in Malawi and this opportunity to, to really furnish uh, the facility by getting desks. And so, Pastor Larry, we said two Sundays from now. So, um, just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, that each person would prepare an amount, pray about an amount. And um, you know, when, whenever we do a secondary offering, which is very rare, whenever we do a secondary offering that's used for missions or disaster relief or something like that. And so, <clears throat> in a, two weeks from today, uh, we want you to prepare uh, your finances and your prayer time to really be able to give to that. We're excited that they're building the facility by God's gracious gifts through you guys, the facility that the, the school is going to be in and, and their meetings and all that's going to be in is, 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 is underway. But then also we want to be able to get desks for them, and that's, of course, a major need uh, uh, because they're going to need to be able to have that to facilitate students to be able to learn, so I'm really, really excited about that. How many are you excited about our partnership with Malawi? Why don't we stand to our feet and um, turn to Joshua chapter 7. Um, Joshua chapter 7. Uh, I'm going to read, and um, you guys continue, and we'll keep it, we'll keep it moving. Um, Joshua chapter 7. Uh, I'll read through verse 1 with you, and, and then, and then, it then you, you keep it going. Make sure y'all don't mess them names up either. Let's get it. It says, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Hamri, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah. All right. And Israel has turned their backs before their enemies. Uh huh. For the 
Amen. 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 I want to I talk about today during our time together, overcoming sin in the worshiping community. Amen. Overcoming sin in the worshiping community. Let's pray. Father, we honor you and thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to, and to uh, prop up, if you will, the name of Christ and lift it high. Even though you're high and exalted above our praise, you do sit on the praise of your people. And so, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus Christ, God, that that, that you would let the aroma of broken hearts um, that you can't despise, the aroma of a desire to be bent towards you, the aroma of an identity and a desired commitment that's to you that's only formed through Jesus Christ, saturate this place today, God. And God, as we, as we talk about dealing with sin, uh, God, and I pray that in order for this to happen, in order for there to be transformation happening, us deal with our sin, we need you. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be uh, acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, in the first gathering, when I, used, when I had sin in the title of the message, the whole congregation looked at me like I was crazy. Um, but, but the issue is, though, that in a, in, a, in a world where we just want to encourage people, you can't encourage people beyond their mess. Uh, you, 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 uh, encouragement, you, you have to deal with issues. Uh, you can't be a Christian, Christian and not deal with your issues. And, 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 and because of that, the, the Bible, and that's why a lot of messages I, I, I preach end up getting back to issues. Because we got them and we hide them and don't deal with them. And, 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 and the church has become skilled and crafty at looking holy but being a mess. Um, the, the, the church is skilled at, at, at beastly worship gatherings and vicious singing and uh, uh, monstrositous hooping and or orations of great orators with homiletical prowess uh, from here to the Himalayas. We, 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 got, we got praise dancers with flags and litards on, running across the front and leaping by like Superman and carrying on all over the place and we got facilities they got crystal and glass and we got flat screen TVs and cordless microphones and big hair, big hats, big wigs, big outfits, big wigs, big everything but not recognizing that we got a whole bunch of issues. And, 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 so, and so today I, I want us to zoom in on recognizing that God is calling us to deal with our issues. Uh, um, you can't dress yourself up enough to, that your dressed upness deals with your mess. And, and, so we, and so we come here today to a passage where we're talking about overcoming sin, the sin of the worshiping community. <coughs> and, and, this, and this passage is, is phenomenal to me, but it reminds me of our core value of community. Somebody say community. community. How many of you know one of our core values is community here at Epiphany Fellowship? So put your hand way up in the air, high as you can. If you know one of our core values... One of the things we value, amen, hands down, is community. And, and the reason why we value community is because the Trinity exists in the community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit chills together for eternity, kicks it together. No sin issues, no broken, of, broken relationship issues. They're not fighting. The Son not saying, man, the Father, I'm sick, sick of you being preeminent in the Godhead. I, I want to, you know, the Father not saying, man, I want to make people speak in tongues and prophesy sometime. Why don't you let me go? Man, we should have died on the cross. Why Jesus getting all the glory and all of that? We should have died on the cross. So he can, we can, we can, he got a cross, a symbol of himself in all the churches and everywhere. We went, they're not arguing. 
They're in harmony because they understand their role and their place. Okay, and, 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 so, and, so, and so they work together in harmony. But the problem with the body of Christ is that God has, through Christ, put us together to work in harmony. But many times sin redistributes the harmony to discord and disunity. And, and, and because of that, we, we, we as a community have to put our hearts and commit ourselves to being a worship community. Working, working definition of worship I want to give you today. <coughs> Worship is a life changed by the gospel of Jesus <clears throat> by which our lives, I'll read it again, are oriented under the reign and rule of God. Let me read that again. A life changed, somebody say changed. Changed, changed by the gospel of Jesus by which our lives are oriented or reoriented under the reign and rule of God. Through identity in him, lifestyle for him, and expression to him. Okay? All of those work in concert together. But we've had a reductionistic philosophy of worship. That's reduced worship to when we gather as the saints. But if, but, but if, but if the only time you identify yourself as a worshiper by worshiping, during the gatherings, then you have a reductionistic philosophy of your identity in Christ. Because we, Jesus said, the Father seeks worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth, such as the Father seeks. Worshipers there is a noun, not a verb. In, in, other, word, in other words, and it has adjectival force to describe who we are in him and who he's called us to be in him. One writer, David Peterson, he's... I mean, this book is merdacious, not murderous, merdacious. It's a biblical theology of worship. He says, worship theology expresses the dimensions of a life-oriented or total relationship with the living God. Check out what he says. Worship, just laying a foundation, in the New Testament is a comprehensive category describing the Christian's total existence. It is cohesive with the faith response Whatever and whenever that response is elicited. Check it out. Consequently, our traditional understanding of worship is restricted to the cultic gatherings of the saints and the congregation at a designated time for a designated place, a designated rite, for a designated proclamation. We can no longer afford to live like this. And, 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 so, and so as I have, I, I love large theologies that, span this expanse of scripture. Stay with me. Uh, um, redemptive historically, uh, um, um, uh, one, one guy that wrote Preaching Christ from the Old Testament, he helped me to expand my mind in relation to the fact that God has been redeeming things in the Old Testament all the way to the, and that the Bible is about redemption. Okay? It's about messed up people who need help and God intervening without their help. Wish I had some help right there. But then, but then John Piper helped expand my mind uh, 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 in relation to the, the glory of God throughout all of Bible, okay? And, and help us spend it. Everything's about his glory. So it's about God redeeming things and it's about his glory. But then the old traditional black Baptist preacher, he helped me to wrap my theological mind around the existence of Jesus in types and shadows from Genesis to Revelation, wrapping and expanding my mind around that. Not only that, Daryl Gouda helped expand my mindset as it relates to my missiology, that everything in the Bible is about 
mission, God sending a people into a fallen place to redeem it everywhere. But then expansively, I left out a place, worship. Everything in the Bible, all of those find their connection and their web at the middle of the spoke in worship. Not worship just an expression, but an identity of God's people identifying with him. And so we come to this passage <laughs> in Joshua chapter 7. This really, to me, is a cousin passage to Acts chapter 5. It's interesting that, 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 that the book of Acts to me and Joshua are cousin books. Because in this sense, that, 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 that when Jesus died, he handed his authority over to the apostles, a.k.a. to the church, to be his representative in the world and to conquer places through proclaiming the gospel and seeing people come to life through the spirit, bringing them to life and going through warfare and challenges and issues with God's people being formed into a worshiping community. You look at the book of Joshua, Moses died. Joshua comes in as an apostolic representative, prophetically, under God, to minister to the believing community to be God's larger representative to the world and to conquer places um, as they get formed into a worshiping community. You see those similarities? And, and, so, and so you come here to this passage, and, and, and let me just tell you something as we come into this passage. You trying to find a perfect church is never going to happen. If you're trying to find, amen, Doc, if you're trying to find a perfect Christ, he'll find you. He'll find you. He'll find you. He'll find you. So now you're going to have to settle your behind down somewhere and know that there's going to be mess, but there's a Messiah in the midst of the mess. Wish I had some help right there. And so in Joshua chapter, in Joshua chapter 7, my man's, I, li I like Big Jojo. I call him Jojo. You know what I'm saying? This is my man, all right? Now, he already knew. See, he didn't even want to lead the people. In the front, he was shook, right? He was scared. South, he's scared, right? He, he shook. The reason why he was, he was shook, because he knew what the people was like, okay? God trying to, he got to tell them to be courage, not courageous, not because he's fighting. Joshua was a fighter. He's a warrior. He was one of these scrappy dudes. You know what I'm saying? If you look at his history, he fights. He punch you in the face, stab you, all that, right? That, that's Joshua, right? He ain't no sucker. But he knew what the people were like. He knew the folk were crazy. Two million people that don't love God is a troubling issue. And so he was like, yeah, I ain't going. You know, he ain't like, I ain't going. You know, and so God, God, God has to, God, do you know, God has to tell him, be strong and courageous over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because he didn't have the courage to deal with folks' mess. Because, see, see that's, that's how you know somebody understands leadership, when they ain't running towards it. See, Joshua watched Moses in the wilderness. Snakes tearing up 23,000 people in one day. He made Moses cuss and break the tablets, you know what I'm saying? The pre you know what I'm saying? Struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. He couldn't go into the promised land. Uh, you know, it's just all kinds of mess. So leadership wasn't a glamourville spot, right? Because he knew if you're going to lead people, you got to deal with messy folk. I wish I had time to just spin on that. But I got to come to my first point. My first point, my first point is sin impacts the entire worshiping community. Sin <laughs> impacts the entire worshiping community. Look at verse 1 of Joshua 7. 
he says in the passage, it says, um, but the people of Israel broke faith. Somebody say broke faith. Now, 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 I, if, if I was a prosperity preacher, I would say your faith is broke, meaning you ain't got no money. But that ain't what the text saying. That would be left field, and the elders need to get me out of here, because I've heard people just, I'm like, this ain't got nothing to do with being financially, I will tear your pulpit, and I will burn, Lord help me, right? Anyway, that's a whole nother issue. But they broke faith. I'm just like, it's just, they broke faith. The idea Hebraically here, that they broke faith, is to act, and act that disregards agreement. Disregarding agreement. Agreement here, there's two types of covenants that God made with his people. He made a conditional covenant, and he made an unconditional covenant. Unconditional covenant means no matter what you do, God keeps the covenant. So that's what these people are in, believing Israel. They're in an unconditional covenant. You in the new covenant under Jesus Christ, you're in an unconditional covenant. That's why he can say to you, not to everybody in the world, that he'll never leave you or forsake you. That's unconditional language to let you know I'm not freeing you up to be a fool. That's not what he's saying. He's like, I ain't freeing you up to be wild out, but I'm empowering you to come to me when you got issues. Okay? So, so, so unconditional covenant lets you know that your mess doesn't break the relationship because the way I got you in a relationship is I dealt with your mess. Right. Now, unconditional, I mean, conditional covenant, though, means that under the conditional covenant, there are, under the unconditional covenant, there are conditions for certain levels of fellowship, certain blessings, and certain levels of spiritual growth, and it will, it will create an environment by which God chooses to whoop your butt. I'll give you an example. Now, with my children, my children know they my sons, we ride or die no matter what. Unconditional covenant, because they born in my house. Boom, love them. Unconditional covenant. But... There are conditions for being in my crib. Huh? The conditions. That's, that's, that goes under the covenant of being daddy. Okay, daddy pulls out. You know, when I put that, my sons are terrified of beating. So, uh, you know, so, so all I got to do is I just got to go like this. And, 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 and tears go out like a cartoon character out of their eyes, right? Because they know they are breaching the conditions of being in my house. Okay? That's what happens here. They broke covenant. They breached conditions of God's blessing. How did they break covenant? Glad you asked. Right here up in verse 17 of chapter 6, it says, <laughs> it says, in the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. In other words, she responded to God by faith. Okay, And because she responded to God by faith, God unconditionally saved her. That's why she's in the hall of faith, a prostitute. Let's keep going. She's a hero because of that. It says, but you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. Lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction. Meaning, I will treat you like you unsaved. God said, you want me to treat you like you ain't mine? Do, do this right here, all right? And he says, and trouble upon you, upon it. In other words, you're going to get some trouble. That, that sounds like, sound like some parent talking right there. It's going to be trouble if you don't do what I told you to do. He says, but all silver, gold, all the bling, every vessel, bronze, iron, are holy to the Lord. They, are, they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. Boom. Guess what they do after that? It says, so the people shouted. They got a word from God. 
Ain't that something? They started shouting and shabacking and carrying on. Barocking, folks standing back, hey, going all like that and everything. They had trumpets, the band going off, everything. Dudes playing, dudes shouting, having a ball, right? Then, verse 1, but the people of Israel broke faith. That shows you that a worship gathering doesn't solve your sin issues. It's <laughs> right there in the text. Now, coming to worship with the saints is important, but if that's all you got, you're missing the point. See, a worship, you, when we come to gather for worship, it's an overflow of what you've been experiencing with God during the week. You should have been walking in, in his presence. I don't care. I don't care if it's chewing gum on the sidewalk, some, a dog's passing you by. You should be talking to God regularly. Every now and then, you need to put some headphones on, get you some 99-cent headphones from the dollar store, stick it into a phone. If you got to go back to the old school and get you a Walkman, get you a CD from the used spot, put a CD in, lift your hands, worship. In other words, it should be an overflow of your lifestyle. But then when the music stops, you should want to walk with him. All right? And so we come here to this part of the passage, and we see it says they broke faith. Broke faith also means <coughs> to be disloyal. It means to lack loyalty. To be, to, it, the word is usually used of someone committing adultery. And it's always connected to idolatry. I'm going to be talking about idolatry and worship in a few weeks. Uh, um, uh, 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 and, and how to smash idols, right? Uh, uh, um, but, but it means to act faithlessly towards the Lord. Now listen to this. He says, but Israel, he says, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. We just read that, right? Now, it says, and Achan, the son of Comri, the son of Zabdi, son of Zerach, of the tribe of Judah. Uh-oh, the tribe of Judah. Judah means praise the Lord. This is the worshiping tribe. Hold on, you mean to tell me that the worshiping tribe, that this ain't like Naphtali, or Gad, or Dan, or somebody, or Simeon, or Manasseh, half-tribe of Manasseh, this is like the one that the Messiah is coming through, Judah. He's from the tribe of Judah. And that is the one, but it's interesting. <coughs> God didn't say Achan sin. He never says that in the text. He says Israel sin. How in the world <coughs> does one person sin and everybody get in trouble? You, you ever, I don't know, see, I don't have this no more because people don't get business no more. But my mom used to say, I don't care who did it. I'm beating all y'all. You remember that? I don't remember none of that. Y'all ain't never, some of y'all, y'all under 25, y'all ain't getting none of them. Y'all friends with y'all parents. My parents was crazy. Going like this before the whooping, I'm like, oh God, oh! You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So everybody in the text in trouble. It's called the federal rule. Federal rule points theologically back to Adam's sin. Adam, when he sinned, it, sin didn't come into the world when Eve ate. It came into the world when Adam ate. He's the federal head of all creation. Per, sin permeated creation because God pointed him as head of the nations. Okay? Uh, 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 Israel is was really supposed to be the second Adam, but it failed. As a nation, it was supposed to be representative of the nations as the tithe of the peoples. It was the smallest and not the greatest. 
And so it was representative. And so the sin that's happening in this text, we'll see in a minute, is a national sin. It's a national sin. And, and, and And so because of that, um, 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 it, 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 this sin is really, if you will, a symptom of where the entire body of the people of God are in this text. Because, because, because they've seen God do, I mean, they've seen, God, hold on, they went around the walls of Jericho for seven days. On the last day, on the last day, they went around seven times, blew a trumpet, the Jones came running out. Now, you got to understand, I'd have saw that. I'd have went, I'd have went, I'd have went Pentecostal run right there. I'd have went, I'd have went off. Went around that joint about seven more times. Breath, and out of breath. But, 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 but out of all they see that God is doing through them, they still think something, he's not enough. I, I don't know what it is about us. That God, some of y'all, if you just do this miracle, God, I'll serve you. No, you won't. Miracles never produce believing faith. Never. Never. Let me, let me tell you something. And, 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 and so what he's trying to get them to do, he, he, God wants him to be enough. <laughs> and he'll give them stuff to remind them of him being enough. But all he says, and so he'll test you to see if he's enough. He'll put you in a test situation. The reason why he did this as a test is no different than Jesus. When Satan came in the wilderness to test him. Matter of fact, the Bible says the Holy Ghost led him there. Wow, the Holy Ghost, that's the devil. I don't know. The devil's being used, but God took you through that. But when we go into temptation, that's why Jesus said, lead us not into temptation. Right? So when he gets into it, Jesus, the devil tried to get him to worship him. And I like his response. He said, man, Satan, get out my face. He said, worship the God and him alone. Roll. He did, he did like Marty. He said, get to stepping. Get to stepping. Oh, Lord, help me. Pass the tripping. All right. He said, he, and so he took the devoted things. Y'all recover. <laughs> and he said, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of God. Now check out now, now people are like, well how God gonna challenge the whole people? You know what I'm saying? How he gonna challenge, like it was only that dude. Check out the text though. He says, <coughs> Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which <laughs> is near uh, Beth Haven, east of Bethel, that's the house of God, and said to them, go up and spy out the land, and the men went up and spied out Ai, which Points out to points back to um, um, when they went in Numbers thirteen and fourteen, and Joshua and Caleb were sent. Right, same model. That's discipleship in action. Verse three. That was for free. He says they returned to Joshua and said to him, "He said, man, do not eat, you don't even have to send all the people up there. Send about two or three thousand men to go up to Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few." <laughs> That's funny. It's interesting now, how dudes that spied out going to tell Joshua who to send out? But Joshua listens and does it, which shows you that now they're they talking reckless now. You know what I'm saying? They amped up in their own mind. They turned up like a mug because now God, God, like how God going to do something in your life, then you go through another one and now you don't need him. Like you, like, hold on. 
You was y'all was scared to death, shook before y'all went to greet. Is God gonna be? He then you go in. He uses you, and then on the next one you act like when you forget that it was Him. So now you begin to try to do ministry on your own. You start trying to do life on your own. Oh, preacher told me, God forbid, for a man to stand up and not know God is not with him. I mean, this, this is phenomenal to me that we as the people of God, our greatest sin starts in our heart. When we begin believing, we no longer need God. When we believe God, we, we upgrade it from needing him. We, we, we upgrade it from being desperate for him. But look what happened to him. God will let you, you know, my, my mama used to, my daddy used to say, I'm going to go out there and let you tear your own drawers. You'll be back. Watch what he say right here. Watch what he say right here. He said, he says to him, he says, he says, they returned to, verse, verse, verse 4. He says, so about 30, uh, about 3,000 went up. Now, you got to understand, in these armies, you had to send at least uh, uh, 30,000 cats to an army to fight. 30,000 minimum, you had to go fight, foot soldiers. It says, it says 3,000 men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai killed about 36, uh, uh, 36 of their men and chased them. That's bad when you get beat up and chased. <laughs> That's just bad. You know what I'm saying? Now, 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 now he said chase them before the gate. They chased them. Uh, they didn't even get into the city. They saw them dudes coming, and it said they chased them from the gate as far as Shabaram, miles away, and struck them at the descent. They were going down a hill, running like a mug, and they was whooping their butts down a hill. You know you, you're getting your butt whooped. If you're getting your butt whooped down a hill. Then he says, and the hearts of the people melted and became like water. This is crazy. Usually when God does something through the people of God, the people who they're fighting hearts melt because of the greatness of God. But now the people of God, our hearts are melting because God's not with them. Wow. Which brings me to my next point. Man, stagnancy demands investigation. Stagnancy demands investigation. Look, look, look at the verses. It says, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell, on, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders. So he and the elders before the Ark of the Covenant. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought up the people of uh, this people over the Jordan at all? Like, why you even bring us here, God? See, this is what I was talking about. To give us into the hands of the Amorites, to, the, to destroy us. In other words, he said, God, you told me, be strong and courageous. We going out, we sending 3,000, you know what I'm saying, going out fighting, right? He says, uh, would, that would that we been content to dwell beyond the Jordan? In other words, you shouldn't even brought us out. He's talking like the people now. It's bad. When people used to say, why did God even bring us out of Egypt? Now he's talking like them. You should have left us beyond the Jordan. In other words, you know it's bad when the leadership don't want to leave and they want to go back. All right? Then he says, oh, Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? That's interesting that he said before the enemies and not before God. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and they will surround us and cut our name off from the earth. In other words, Joshua said, man, when somebody get their behind whoop, Lord, you know it make other people who ain't, who ain't really can fight want to fight us. He said, so, 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 and, and so now you're praying in sackcloth and ashes to the evening. Well, what, what was that before all this happened? 
You know what I'm saying? Because God has to let things get tight sometimes so that you can see that there's a signal so that you can investigate what's going on. But some of us are too silly and covered, by our, covered in our own sin and our own soot and our fecal matter spiritually that we won't let where God is letting us hit bottom take us back to him. Listen, y'all, it's not working. Show me a sinful lifestyle on this planet that's working, and I'll give you a, hundred, a, a, a bean right now. I'll give you $100 right now. Each person. Right, right? Yeah, I'll do it. If you show me, any, any, there is no sin, because you're going to give me $100, because there is no lifestyle. There is no lifestyle that doesn't end in death, besides being in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't make sense. But we still move forward as if it's the wages of sin ain't death. It was death, it is death, and it's going to be death. And, it's, and so he out here, now, now this is what I like about the text, right? <laughs> I like about the text, he, he all sackcloth and ashes up. You know, he broke all down, him and the elders laid all out prostrate before the you know what I'm saying, the um, thing. But then, he, but then he ends it, interestingly. He says, and what will you do for your great name? That's when, the, that's when your, his prayer turned. Be because now he's saying, God, you're about your glory. We're representatives of your glory. So if we go down, you go down. Now, that's partly true. But, 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 but what he's trying to say is he's, trying, he's remembering some of Moses' prayers. When people, the people of God got into sin, he appealed to God's glory so that God would graciously, graciously act, not because of people, but because of himself. See, you know, you, you know you're almost ready to come out of your mess when you're talking about God's name. Let me, let me tell you why. Because God's name is about him and not us. <laughs> and God responds to his name because he loves his reputation, and he has a desire for his name to be exalted among heathens. And so when this happens, though, God didn't take the bait. Guess what he says to him next? Which brings me to my next point. God's grace provides ample opportunity for repentance. Look at what he says right here. God says, get up. I love that. See, people portray God as this flowery dude, a hippie with a flower in his head, with white on, white linen, sheer linen on, and sequenced pumps, right? But you look right here, verse 10. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, get up! And Joshua's like, yo, what, what happened? <laughs> he said, why have you fallen on your face? He said, you seeking my face. You know what it is. I told you in chapter 6, verses 17 through 22, what would happen if y'all didn't listen to me. Somebody in the camp's tripping. All right, let's get him out. So look at what he says. He says, Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant. We got an agreement that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. It's interesting that God says they worshiping and celebrating and lying. Hands lifted, lying. Tears coming down their face doing a gospel-centered song, lying. It got quiet on that part. He says, therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before the enemies. 
They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted to destruction. They were supposed to devote stuff to destruction, but I am now devoting them to destruction. In other words, I'm getting my belt out. Verse 13, he says, get up. Consecrate the people and say, listen to this. Now, Achan, now, now he's about to, what he's about to lay out right here, Achan's standing there while Joshua is doing what God is telling him to do. Check this out. He says, consecrate yourselves tomorrow. So that's, that, that's the next day. He says, for thus says the Lord, that's what Joshua is telling them, there are devoted things in your midst. Now, see, when he'd have said that, Achan should have came forward. But so, so he, God is talking. Now, when God starts talking like that, like when that's prophecy. See, nobody don't prophesy like that. See, this is a good prophecy. God talked to Joshua, and Joshua told him it's prophecy because Joshua didn't know. So God had to tell him, and then he told the people without the people telling him, so it's prophetic. Therefore, prophets today, you know, you know God's going to bless you with a million dollars next week. You ain't gonna, No, somebody here is in sin. I never heard that one. Pull up YouTube. Let's pull that up. All these accurate prophets. Somebody in here specifically has done, boom, this is what he just did. This is good prophecy. Prophecy in the Bible different in America. That's that Jeremiah 23 prophecy. That's why the church is in sin, because we got too many people not telling them the truth. <laughs> Jeremiah 23 says, you prophets lie, and you speak in my name but not in my name, and you share your sermons with each other and prophesy to the people that there wouldn't be no destruction, but I prophesied destruction against them. The true prophet speaks my words, not their own. Wish I had some help right there. Sick of these punks in the pulpit. Get them out. And he says, the devoted things in miss, O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies. In other words, it's going to be a wrap until you take away the devoted things from among you. Listen to what he says. In the morning, so he's talking to them now. Achan's standing there. He knew what the word of God says. Prophets are supposed to call God's people back to what God said, not to their own heart. Right. Check it. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes. Listen to how this, now I'm going to tell you something. He says, and the tribes that the Lord takes by lot. Now, this is scary. They're doing a lottery right here. Right? This is a lot. You put the strings out and you pull them out by tribes. And they can pull a whole bunch of them out. It's not like lottery like you see on the highway, by the way. So don't be saying, oh, the Lord said, based on Joshua chapter 7, I can play the lottery. No. <laughs> and he says, by lot, uh, he says, a lot shall come near by clans. He's breaking it down. And the clan the Lord takes shall come near by households. And households that the Lord uh, takes shall come man by man. And he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burnt with fire. I'm like, ah, it's me. Burnt with fire. God, dog it. Fire? Like, Hold on. Do y'all hear the text, though? Now, now I'd have been, I'd have been, I'd have, I would have been shook right here. But you know, a hard heart. Any of us can have a hardened heart towards the Lord because of the deceitfulness of our sin. That's Hebrews 2.13. Sin can have a hardening effect on your heart. And, 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 and he gives him in this text seven times to repent. He gives him, he, he, he gives him, he gives him the day before when it gets announced. And then the day of 
It's like all of them are standing together, and he's pulling. Can you see the scene? He's got everybody. He's pulling them off. He said, no, nah, nah, not Gad, not Naphtali, not Simeon, not Levi. No, not uh, uh, Judah. Come here. Bring Judah. The dude's like, dang. You know, I don't know what he's doing right here. But, but what's interesting about this passage is that it shows us the grace of God. See, most of us looked at the burnt part and the stoning part to see how God is. I don't like that dude. You see how he is? But he's actually being gracious. Because God gives you chances to repent before he brings consequences. That's why the Bible says he'll provide a way of escape. And this, he's doing it right here. He's providing a way of escape out of the temptation that we put ourselves in. Overcoming sin in the worshiping community does not come from you being blessed and highly favored and you saying that and I speak with my words and my words apply. That doesn't work. The gospel is the only power that's in the Bible. And what's great about God is the gospel, Christ's death, is the way in which God calls us to face our sin. God is not afraid of sin. That's why he sent Jesus. Your sin doesn't spook him out. He's holy. And so he's going to be able to eradicate all sin. But he loves his people enough to help us. See, if a church is going to be a church, we got to talk about and deal with sin. You can't, you can't be like some preachers out here who talk this mess about, I don't want to, people already know they're messed up, you know. People shouldn't know all of that. You just got to encourage people. But how are they going to be, and you're telling them about blessings, but blessings don't come without repentance. Now, I know you're going to go out mad at me, but I, I'm, I'm a, I got to tell it like a T.I. is. But look, look, look now, when the, when the lock get on my man, he, got a, he, he was caught, he didn't come out. Look at verse 19, it says, Then Joshua said to Achan, when the lot fell on him, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him praise, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. It's interesting that he says, give him glory and give him praise. It's interesting that confession of sin is worship. That's what he just said. You see, it? I ain't make that up. It's right there in the text. When we confess our sin, it's an act of worship. It's worship. It gives God glory when you tell him what you did. When you, when you admit what you did. When you, we, it's nothing worse than a person that can never admit their stuff. You, everybody else is always wrong. Never you. Not you, huh? It's everybody else. Give God praise today. And tell about your stuff. Because as it grows, it'll impact everybody. Your unrepentance is... All of our unrepentance is corrosive and destructive. That's why the Bible says he who confesses a matter and turns from it finds favor from the Lord. Repentance has power, but when it's down to the wire and God says, time out. I'm going to whoop you now. And Achan was like, go to my house, go get it. It's in the tent. They went and found it at a place. And he's, uh, Joshua's like, all right. Put, put money up, burnt them, and stoned him. And that's rough. We are called as the worshiping community to deal with sin. But I pray that our sin doesn't get to that point. 1 John 5 talks about a sin that leads to death. And, and, I, and I pray that God does not have to take any of us out so that his glory can continue among his people. 
Because I'm gonna leave you on this, and I know this is a crazy way. I should be closing, hollering, and the organ should be going. But I'm gonna just tell you right now, God will take one of His people out if His glory isn't being maximized in them. He will take us out. He loves his glory, and he loves us enough to say, come home and be with me, instead of stay there as a lack of a representative for me. So my prayer today, I'm getting out your way. This ain't depressing, because that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. You can repent today. You give your life to Christ. If you're not in him, if you're in him, you can say, today, I'm done, God. You got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Listen, you got to say, God, I'm done. But matter of fact, guess what you got to say? God, I can't be done without you. So God, can you help me to be done? Because I've reached the end of myself. I'm out your way. Maybe you're here today and somebody, you don't know Christ as Savior. Well, God isn't a disciplinarian of people that don't know him. He is an enemy of those who don't know him. And he's determined to remove anything that's not redeemed by Christ. That means brought back and placed under his care through Jesus Christ. And so, and so uh, we have a call to discipleship because a call to discipleship is when Christ's death is applied to the life, sinner's life because they repent of their sin and have faith in his death as an atonement and a removal of their sin and then raised up on the third day, and you get to live in power with him now and forever. And so I pray today that if there's anybody here like that, every head by every eye closed, that you, you want to put your confidence in Jesus. You, you know that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yet you've never met him before. I don't care if you grew up in church. I don't care if you're quote-unquote spiritual. I don't care if you read the popular Christian books. I don't care about none of that. He doesn't either. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Not that it works. It is a gift of God that no one will be able to boast. Put their chest out. If you want to put your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, slip your hand in the air. If you want to put your faith in him for the first time, not I trust in Jesus and anything, but I trust in Christ and Christ alone for salvation, that his death on the cross takes me from death in the eyes of God to life through the power of God. That's what the gospel does. Every head bow, every eye closed. Anybody in the balcony, anybody came here, you don't know him, you want to put your confidence in the Lord today. Amen. Well, let our men come. Let our men come.